0: Right, Aaron. Are you ready to talk for, you know, a while, 30 minutes or so, about pre-Civil War slavery in America? I can think of no <laughs> two people more qualified. Sure. And then a couple of, you know, 30-something white guys. Yeah. Living in 2015. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think that qualifies us. So, you know, I, the, the, I can talk about this film in... Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to talk about it, my, my observations and I could be wrong and I could be way off base. Yeah. Um. And the it's like a lot of complicated feelings because like, you know, Steven Spielberg sits down to make Indiana Jones and he's a just Jewish kid and you can just th- think of him having so much fun having this indomitable character just knock down these evil Nazis. It's like really cathartic, you know. And you kind of... Try to approach Django like that, but the fact that it's a Quentin Tarantino film, okay? Keeps fucking with it. Are you saying that he's white? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like okay. um but you know Jamie Lee Foxx is really really cool. He's really really uh-huh. good in it. Like this is I mean, come on, Sam Jackson. This is well, he's less cool. Um this is the coolest I've ever seen Jamie uh Fox. And okay. I've seen him play cool guys. Uh-huh. Um but like I this performance is kind of like something, um, like like a Stallone or Schwarzenegger performance, where he's just effortlessly cool and multifacetedly cool.
0: Yeah, like he's
1: a badass hero wearing the fucking blue boy costume, and when they do that like hero shot of him mm-hmm. uh, when he confronts the slavers for the first time, and the way he like rides a bareback uh, horse like a champ, like it's sure. just uh, he everything just looks effortless and cool. But again, you got. Quentin Tarantino making a movie about slave revenge, uh, liberal use of the N-word, which that's been kind of a hallmark of all of his works. Sure, yeah. I mean, Pulp Fiction, you can go back to that. Like, Eminem won't say the N-word, but Quentin Tarantino will in a film that he directed and wrote. He will have himself say the N-word out of his own mouth. Sure. It's really weird. Yeah,
0: I gotta say, watching this film, I felt very uncomfortable, and I think... You're supposed to feel uncomfortable. If you do, if you go into this and you come out not having felt awkward at certain moments, you right. need to reevaluate your life
1: because you've sure. done something wrong. Sure. Uh and like can you imagine square looking Samuel L. Jackson right in his eye and squaring uh-huh. up and calling him the N word. I I couldn't do it. That would it's kind of like uh getting too close to the edge of the Grand Canyon. You look over, it's like, oh my god uh my life just flashed before me it's i and i <laughs> okay. i heard that leonardo uh, dicaprio uh had a hard time doing that too yeah before we
0: get too far into this i just wanted to thank the person who commissioned this podcast yes. uh steven s St- I, I don't actually know how to say his last name uh you can give it a shot if you want i'm gonna call him Stephen s he knows who he is Sprague Sprague. Uh, some something like that I, did, I don't know how to say that name those, those combinations of letters. But yeah, we we want to thank you very much for uh, allowing us to talk about this film. I mean, I, this is a movie I've seen once or twice before. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoyed it as I do all of Quentin Tarantino's stuff, you know? Sure. It's, it's, these are certainly not worlds that I'm familiar with, yeah. but there's a way that he turns these things into a form of entertainment that sometimes feels exploitative, sometimes feels like a... a evisceration of the subject matter as well yeah um and i he gets a lot of shit he does he takes a lot of shit for his writing and i think you know he has a lot of balls to actually be doing this stuff i don't think he always hits it perfectly on the head um and walks the line that he needs to walk But I think most of the time he does, at least for me, you know, I mean, as someone who's not thoroughly wrapped up in this whole topic, the
1: amount of no fucks that he must give to do stuff like this. And and like going back to Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, where he's always had like stuff that really pushes the bounds of good taste and what is authentic and what you can get away with. Yeah, I feel like Reservoir Dogs is super easy, though, right? Like as an
0: Italian American, I don't feel like that movie was blatantly offensive to me. Okay. In the way that, like, I could see a lot of people getting offended about Django Unchained or even, like, Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah, I mean... That's, that, that felt a little easier because that's a modern movie trope, you know, Yeah.
1: at this point. Yeah, I don't know. And it's it's probably, you know, different people are going to view it and get different things from it. And like sure, I said, I, yeah. I think there's, like, one... I, I kind of come down mostly as this is a revenge fantasy. Yeah, well, it's um, a love story, honestly. And it's a love story. Yeah. Uh, and it's also got like, you know, it, it's got some scenes as far as like, you know, uh, bloodthirsty depictions of American slavery. It can go toe to toe in some of these scenes with stuff like from 13 years a slave, 12 years, 12 but years a slave,
0: 13, that's, I felt like it was 13 years, it's a
1: different story entirely. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, and I, I remember seeing this movie on a double header as a Christmas day. I saw, uh, it was 2013, and I saw um, uh, Les Miserables. Okay, all right. And then Uh I saw this film, and it was such an emotional whiplash. (laughs) Hugh Jackman not dancing and singing nearly as much in this one. Maybe I shouldn't use the word whiplash in in the context of Django Unchained. Yeah, Uh, that's a bad call. (laughs) But yeah, no, I,
0: it, uh... I I, want to go back to what you said about Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay. Because I watched a couple interviews with him. And uh, they never talked about using the N-word. What they talked about was the feeling going into this film, knowing the way that he had to treat these people, which, you know, is, sure. is roughly equivalent to that, to, the, to having to say the N-word to Sam Jackson's face. Um, and it was interesting, like, he he said that, you know, he hated this character. And Quentin Tarantino has said this is the first villain he's written that he hated. Because hmm. uh, in his other villains, they were they were always kind of, you know kind of cool and kind of fun sure. and kind of a little bit of that mixed up in there. But this one was just pure hatred. Mm-hmm. Um And Leroy Caprio felt that going in and Jamie Foxx and Sam Jackson were both like, man, you cannot back away from this role. You cannot right. tone this down at all. You've got to bring it. And I think he did a fantastic job. Oh. He- as
1: did... You know, everyone in this movie. I can't think of a
0: single performance that I didn't like.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that scene in the end where the, you know, the the ruse has been exposed and he's got the skull (sighs) out and he's banging a hammer on the table and he's threatened to bash Hilde's brains in. It is magnetic. Like, Leonardo DiCaprio really, really went for it in, you know, just allowing himself to be portrayed as ugly. Sure. And criminal and disgusting in mm-hmm. like every fat, like it goes bone deep with this character. Oh yeah. And yeah. you know how, like you, you talk about Jamie, cause this Jamie Foxx had like a performance within a performance uh-huh. because he was playing Django, the slave, the, the slaver, the black slaver, which is the lowest form of, 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 of life for uh, these, these early African Americans. Yep. And he, was forced to you know kind of do and say things to his his fellow um man that he would you know obviously not want to do and he had to be cool with things like you know that you see a man ripped the, ripped apart by dogs yeah <laughs> that's terrifying and it all, bo- it all boils. It, it it just keeps on piling up this tension and piling up this tension, and it ends in one of the most epic gunfights I've seen in cinema. Like, yeah. I'll put it up against the lobby scene in Ma- the Matrix, uh, against anything <laughs> uh-huh. in Equilibrium, uh, against anything in like the John Woo hard boiled. Like, uh-huh. it's just amazing, uh, amazing, and it works because you have been this tension has been ratcheted like one click at a time yeah. you know just just offense off after offense after offense um this piling up until you as an audience are ready for that catharsis yeah but um the, the, i don't know what it's like to play a character like that and even to be like what is it what was it like for Samuel L. Jackson sitting in that makeup chair becoming this character um can I say I think he's the villain of the story? Really? Yeah.
0: I mean more so than Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think I think Sam might agree based on the interviews that I've I've seen of him. Uh because you know, Steven is a guy who he says is you know, he's a race trader, right? And I I don't really honestly feel that term inside of me. Uh-huh. Um, like I'm sure some people do, but you can imagine that betraying your people uh, in order to preserve the kind of lifestyle that you've been given on the backs of all those people is a more grievous sin than being the one who perpetrated that, that slavery stuff, you know?
1: Well, I mean, that's another way of saying that the true villain of the film is the institution of slavery, because anytime you have something this over the top oppressive, you're going to have unnatural and abhorrent forms of life that, fill in those gaps by necessity because it's just like, you know, the end of 1984 when Winston's ready to sell his love up the river because he just has to do anything to get those rats away from his face. Sure. Like there, you know, I, I I don't know if this is fiction or uh, if this is a real historical account or this was a real historical account passed off as fiction or what. Mm -hmm. But I remember hearing somewhere that, you know, whenever they go through the gas chambers of like Ashwitz or everything that, it's always the men on top of the women on top of the children. Like in, in, if you're just reduced to an animal scrambling for for survival, you lose all your humanity. Oh, and you're I just doing you're anything. Okay. You're doing anything to live. Yeah, and yeah. like, I feel like that that is adequately describes this. So it's like, how can I judge Steven? I mean, yeah, he's a coward.
0: Well, and, I think the movie, he, he is a coward. He's, he's a traitor. He's, all those horrible things but i think the movie itself is trying to tell you that in some ways like when django describes you know being a black uh slaver Mm -hmm. that he literally says that's the worst thing you can be and so for you know sam jackson to be so wrapped up in this um to where he's oppressing his own people in a certain way yeah um i think he's looked at as that black slaver even though jamie fox is the one playing it Mm -hmm. um you know django is the the guy playing that character i think steven actually is that character and then if you look at like the end of the movie, who's the guy who dies last, right? The, the big final triumphant thing is Stephen getting killed. Hmm. And I, I feel like also the way that he kind of understands what's going on here with this ploy to get Broomhilda out, you got to think he's smart enough to understand what he's doing as well. So it's not just a case of like him not knowing any better uh-huh. or just like being kind of oblivious. He actually understands what's what he's doing. Oh yeah, and it's kind of more offensive. I don't want to say more offensive necessarily, but I think he's the the bigger villain of the film. Right. Like I Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. Fuck that guy. He's offensive as hell.
1: Yeah. But you know, but it's so like, is Stephen. So, so speaking of 12 years of a slave, there's a lot of things that that guy had to do that were not, he's not ex- especially proud of, and a lot of compromises oh, yeah. he had to do. Yeah. And I, you wonder, like, he was a very smart man, and mm-hmm. he didn't do things carelessly, and he was very meticulous. But you, you wonder if uh, he'd spent 50 years, if he'd even survived that long. But you, you, you age him up to Stephen's age- yeah, what would he look like? Like that's what I'm saying. Like this is an institution that, um, you know, robs people of humanity. It was it was designed to be brutally repressive. It was designed to mm-hmm. uh, keep a population in ignorance, like you know, to where it's forbidden to learn how to read or to be educated at all. Um, you know, what do you do if you can find if you can if you can act a certain way that lets you wear comfortable clothes and work in a comfortable environment? or you can be whipped or have your family split apart or spend 10 days in a hot box. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to say that. I. It's like, what is what is a moral compromise? What does it even mean in that kind of uh, situation? Yes, it's His, it's heroic. He, okay. it, it would be heroic to withstand that. I don't know yeah. that you could say it's evil and villainous to not. Oh, it's His almost portrayal like,
0: of it wasn't one where he was reluctantly cooperating with it.
1: It's one where he was kind of gleefully involved in it but look at the man he was serving can't it would a man who was just merely tolerating it be elevated to that position at candyland i don't know like you would have to almost i mean the way i see it's like you'd have to be co-opted into the system and and and, and even help enforce it Mm -hmm. to the point of like he was almost insolent in the other way like you want me to treat this man like a human being when i know for a fact that he's an inward this and that you know, t- 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 he was almost insolent to Candy that to- he was trying to uphold this system so much.
0: I mean, I guess it's tied up in, you know, the idea of um, the-, the one that, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character explains, uh, Mr. Candy, Monsieur Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it- the idea of, you know, why didn't the barber slice his father's throat open? You know, I, I get that there's there-, there are a lot of good reasons not to. Uh, but, you know, when you're... It's something that I've never quite understood about slavery either, like how that oppression was allowed to continue for so long with so many people involved, like so many people, an entire race of people just being held down against their will. It's it's mind blowing to me. And I feel like that's part of what this movie does, too, is it it kind of I don't know, for me, the the intense violence and the intense depictions of all these horrible actions are, is something that serves to kind of shake you out of, you know, what whatever kind of, like, perhaps, you know, rose-colored view of the past you have, mm-hmm. you know? These are things that people in this country did, and they were fucked up, and this is not the half of it. Mm-hmm. What we're showing you is just the surface sure. of it. Uh, and it really makes you think about those things a lot. So that that more.
1: that touches on my core problem with the film, the one that I haven't been able to kind of like square and resolve, and the one that I'm not even sure if Tarantino realizes exists. But hmm. so there's that that speech about why didn't he slit my father's throat with a razor blade? And you know, here's these three bumps, and and these these this is a people who is designed to be servile. That's like and and. and I, Even fairly well-educated people buy into this myth of, like, well, you know, Jesus, like, how did this go on for hundreds of years without anybody fighting? I mean, they did fight. There was slave uprisings. There was many plantation people murdered. There was many things set to the fire. There was many revolts. Um, two hundred thousand African Americans fought in the war for the Union. Many of them free yeah, slaves. Yeah, this is two years before the Civil War happened. So, so it's like it's one of the one of the weird myths about American slavery that it was something that just people went along with that there wasn't any active rebellion. It's just that those that rebellion was. Uh, brutally put down. It's like this. You yeah. could say the same thing about you know what, what's up with slavery in the Roman Empire. I mean, well, sure. uh, but but there was three servile wars at least that I can remember. Um, so so and you know, I so so you've got that. So Quentin Tarantino's dealing with this myth of African American pa- passivity and um, you know, subject or uh, submissiveness, right? Okay. And. He's on the one hand wanting to kind of dismiss that as this racist motherfucker saying a bunch of vile bullshit that we know is bullshit, like phrenology stuff's yeah, all yeah. been discredited. Uh-huh. But then he ends it with Django's retort to Steven, where he's like, Your master was right. I am that one out of 10,000 okay, exceptional yeah, yeah. being uh-huh. because I am doing all these things, which is in a weird way buying into that myth. Like only one out of hundred one only one out of ten thousand slaves would have the gumption to stand up and, and, and fight against a white man when that's just not that's not right. Like on the Sure, the I mean ultimately it culminates one hand, in a war that, that frees a whole bunch of people. Yeah, the the movie on one hand raises this issue and dismisses it, but at the end of the movie and this is supposed to be it's epic one liner, it almost upholds that same gotcha. myth. Yeah and i thought that was the one thing that is is still kind of leaves a funny taste in my mouth um sure. and i'm not going to try to i'm not,
0: not going sure to not gonna try to apologize or you know make excuses for tarantino in this uh this podcast that's for him to do in interviews if he so chooses
1: you know what i like, uh, i don't yeah, think, think tarantino is the kind of guy that cuz i say all kinds of, i mean i have and will say a bunch of offensive shit in my <laughs> lifetime because i I have a lot of profound ignorance in in as, you know yeah, my life experience and and where I was born and uh-huh. and the kind of homogeneity that I grew up with. So I'm sure I say all kinds. And when people say, "Hey, uh, that's some offensive shit," you're saying, um, "I'm one of the first people." Who's like, okay, well, tell me why because it doesn't surprise me. I kind of feel like Tarantino is kind of like that, and I I've, I've seen him bristle when people want to ask him about violence in his works. And sure. I'm I'm on his side of that. Like fuck all those people that like every fucking time a Quentin Tarantino movie comes out, it's like, oh look at the blood, oh look at the death, look at this. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um But that's that's the one thing I'm not quite sure about.
0: Yeah, I mean I like I said, I don't I don't pretend to be knowledgeable about all this stuff. And you know, you, you explained it well when you say just the life path that we've had so far, being born where we were born, in the era that we were born in there hasn't been a lot of education in that regard yeah. uh, for, you know, good or bad reasons, whatever. It just never happened. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I think, you know, when you make a movie like this as a white guy, being on, you know, what is the perpetrating side of this? Yeah. How, how do you possibly give it the
1: deft touch that you need for it to go over well with everyone. You know? Yeah, I don't think you I can't you, you imagine, can, but yeah. you've got like you try to avoid the highs and the lows, right? Like, you yeah. know And ultimately Donald I think it Trump- helps to, Do- to fictionalize this so much and to make it so over the
0: top with the violence, so yeah, over the top with the story and the characterizations and all that. That that works in his favor, I think.
1: Yeah, and like, you know, if you got someone like Donald Trump standing up and say, This is the most racist movie I've ever seen, I feel like you've won some kind of war already. <laughs> Like uh-huh. really, really. Uh, anyway, um, I, I want to talk. I want to spend a little bit more time talking about something that you just jog my memory about. Uh, the other thing that's kind of troublesome about this movie is this is a story about Django's single minded effort to get his his woman back. Yep, it's a love story. And how many black lives he burns. Down to the ground in like the process of attaining his goal and the morality of that. Okay, if, if you less, than he does, of that,
0: less than he does white lives, right? Well,
1: sure, <laughs> sure, sure.
0: I mean, I'm thinking like, but two like the or one three? that really is
1: like, uh, you know, the D'Artagnan, you know, what, oh. what, wa- watching, like just say, I don't care, it's your, he's your property and watching a man get torn apart and, yeah. um, you know, and, and even that's like, I feel like that, that got a little bit with the, the Schultz King character at the end. He didn't snap so much because Candy was such a terrible, vile person, but it's like, you know, free. He, he, it's almost like he came to realize that freeing Django's wife is not even a drop in a bucket. It is, it is such a small dent on the scale of human misery this place is... Uh, is producing that he just couldn't stand anymore. And, and, you know, indeed, Django brought the whole thing down. But more thematically, go back and, like, they established that Candyland is the fourth largest uh, plantation in, the I think, the state that there is. Mississippi, yeah. So it's like, even then, like, destroying something so vile, you know, you knocked off the fourth worst one in a single state. Yeah. So it's like... but I So I like to think that the end of this movie is
0: you know something that in this fantasy world sparks the revolution to come yeah um you know he he may at this point be a one in ten thousand state, but then
1: he becomes a state senator and starts agitating for emancipation <laughs> and or you know he punches tommy lee jones in his face in the lincoln movie yes and exactly <laughs> there you go pistol uh, lips john Wilkes booth
0: no but that's like a uh, a portion of my headcanon that i like to to have there um I don't know. I mean, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to roam the countryside, taking out plantations one at a time?
1: Is that is that a realistic and that is that right. B? No, I'm just saying that that's another thing that when I think movie. about is like it is tough having this heroic character who but but also and an kind of an noble character an enlightened character, but also have him very single minded in his focus. Like there's yeah not but it's a, a lot of triumph for him, right? It's but a that's what, that's for a what I'm getting. There's not a lot of movies with the guts yeah. to just paint it that starkly. Like for, when Django shoots that kid that that you know, I guess he's a notorious gangster, but he's also at the mm-hmm. time a father with his son working the plow in the field. Yeah. yeah. And like how cold that is. But that is kind of like one of the motifs of the movie. And Quentin Tarantino is one of those guys who will not kind of try to flinch or sugarcoat that particular thing that he's decided to do at the movie. Oh yeah. Like he'd really yeah. commits to it. And, um, and I
0: think from the stuff I saw of Jamie Foxx talking that, you know, he views this much more as like, you know, the idea here isn't to win necessarily a victory of slaves over their masters. It's about people being treated as people and okay. human beings. And, and ultimately all Django wants is to be given the opportunity to, Live like a human being should live, you know, Mm -hmm. be loved, have what he desires, have freedom, stuff like that. And that is what Django's quest is about. It's, you know, it is wrapped up in the time period that it's set in, but very much it's just a personal, a personal desire to be free and to be loved and that kind of stuff.
1: I want to talk about some Tarantino things that I've noticed in this film and some things I like. Cause so Tarantino is one of those guys that kind of builds up a stable of actors and actresses. He's kind of like in a Wes Anderson type of mold where, uh, sure. and, and even, um, uh, but I, I like how he works with Christoph Waltz in, *Inglorious bastards. He's like, I really want that character into a Western themed, you know, revenge movie Amer- about American slavery. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna cast a German dentist as a bounty hunter, mm-hmm. and then of course Django's wife will be named after this this legendary figure and <laughs> and and German, and she'll speak German, and there'll be this yeah. whole scene where they get because that was so much fun in Inglorious Bastards to have the the investigator talk with the French milkman, like mm-hmm. it's so tr- fucking transparent and bizarre. Uh-huh. But it wor- it totally works. Why does it work? I
0: feel like it works. A because Tarantino just has style in his writing. I mean, he period. puts that
1: bouncy fucking tooth on this guy's carriage on a uh-huh. spring. And it's ridiculous, <laughs> but it's also and then he uses awesome. it later
0: to great effect. You know, like yeah, he hides dynamite in that shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I feel like just he he lends a certain style to his writing that is just plain cool. Yeah. Period. No matter who you are. Um. And and it's part being just a genre that's you know semi exploitation, you know you can get away with a lot of silly shit in those genres. And what does that mean? Names and alone. What is like,
1: exploitation? Like when this, I, I've 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 meant to look this up several times. when you say something is an exploitation film or like mm-hmm. black exploitation or. Yeah you know, mexploitation, which I you know, guess is... You know, I don't know the definition. Okay. I, I know it when I see it, but I don't know the but definition. But is, is it a pejorative? Like, we are exploiting a... uh yes. like, like, if it's a, is a horror movie, an exploitation uh-huh. film, because they're exploiting people's, you know, fear and horror. Is black exploitation? does that mean we're going to make things that we think are going to appeal to a black audience? Or does it mean we're exploiting... Tropes of African American or this particular sub genre of the population to mass to 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 package it to mainstream America. I feel like it's closer to the latter, but I don't honestly know. Right, like Shaft is a a, a movie ostensibly about black people, but it's actually Uh for white audiences. Is that what makes an exploit uh, like a black exploitation film? I don't know. I don't know.
0: I do know that Broomhilda's last name is Von Shaft. of course of course like it's totally ridiculous right no
1: no i i believe i i read something where uh with uh, an interview with Tarantino where he's entirely suggesting that these are in fact like John Shaft's long lost ancestors <laughs> like great grandparents <laughs> okay why not yeah sure i like it i don't know man i don't know how to answer your
0: question because i i can only tell you when i see it and okay. i and i tell you that there are elements of it in Qu- in Quentin Tarantino stuff but I don't know the actual definition.
1: Because I heard that this film was uh, really popular with both, you know, it's just universally popular amongst all audiences, white and black. Okay. And I can see why it would appeal to both, you know, to both audiences. It's a solid revenge flick. It is. And it's also like, you know, uh, a a brutal takedown of the man if you're... Mm-hmm. Uh, if, 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 if you're a, a, a black member of the audience. Yeah, and, you know, and a watching, black man is
0: definitely being portrayed as the hero in this story. Sure. It's, it's kind of hard not to like in a lot of ways.
1: And even, like, he, you know, he starts, he's in this chain gang getting marched to wherever, but his backstory is such that he's, like, been a defiant... You know, rebel against the system from the beginning. That's how he got yeah. into the situation he's in. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I can see that. I thought it was interesting. One of the funniest scenes in the whole fucking movie was the KKK. birth of the Ku Klux Klan. Yes. <laughs> so, so this is intended to be like the Batman begins of the Ku Klux Klan uh, because yeah. I guess they didn't officially ban- start until two years afterwards after this.
0: Wh- Tell me in the South why before the Civil War you would need a Ku Klux Klan,
1: uh, right? You know, I don't know, just a, just just why, I I don't know, a, mil- a paramilitary police force to brutalize okay. escaped slaves. But
0: the fact is, yeah, it's, it
1: started after the Civil War began. No, so I thought it, that it was so interesting because, you know, one of the things I've been making uh, a bunch of contrast to is, like, the cult from True Detective, and, like, you know, I'm trying to contextualize, like, the cult this cthulhu lovecraft king and yellow cult in 2015 versus what it might have been in the 1890s okay and yeah, i've yeah. said it's like you compare the ku klux Klan of nowadays mm-hmm. there's a bunch of fucking stonewashed jean wearing swastika shaved, shaved they've got head, there's sure. no intellectual thought into it it's all a bunch of reactionary bullshit uh, versus what it was back in the day where it's this powerful thing that controlled and it was intertwined and in like, you know, politically and mm-hmm. through law enforcement and all that stuff. But I thought it was interesting to see them portrayed as a bunch of bumbling dumb fucks. Sure. With the whole eye hole thing and like some of the dialogue was just like, hold on now, fuck it with my eye holes. <laughs> and like, fuck you, my wife <laughs> she worked five yeah you know, all night cutting holes out of these 30 sacks. and
0: It's great, yeah. Uh, you know, it's definitely a send-up of the KKK and I think it serves its purpose in this film. Like, I wasn't expecting it when I saw it the first time. Because
1: um, he plays, like, this totally other part of the it movie. Does.
0: Yeah. and You know, there are several, like, false endings in this movie almost. Mm. Like, the end where, you know, he, you expect him to kill Candy and get out of there with Brumhilda, and that'll yeah. be the end of it. Yeah. Doesn't go down like that. Not at all. And, and at that point, you're, like, what, two hours into the movie? You're thinking, okay,
1: the movie could be over at this point. And it has another forty five minutes to go. Right. No. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, There was also there's a lot of funny stuff in the Don Johnson stuff, like Mm -hmm. uh, which is that's the uh, Big Daddy character who is one of the forerunners of the The first plantation they visit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like when he's trying to explain to his one of his girls how to treat Django? Yeah. Because he's like, you know, he's he's a freed, he ain't like any of you. And she's like, so you want me to treat him like a white man? Nah, nah, no, that's he, not what I said. He
0: gets very serious. He's like, no. Yeah. Which, but, you know, is disturbing, but also kind of funny in that way. No, too. it's
1: super funny to see him struggle with, you know, essentially like this is the birth of Jim Crow. <laughs> how can hug, I yeah. treat this guy like he's less than human? When he's but a but I have man. to hmm. recognize that he is human. Like, huh, how can I split the difference? How can I maintain my essential yeah. shit baggery <laughs> in a legally direct word? It's uh-huh. it's pretty pretty good. Sure. Uh, this
0: movie is actually based on a 1966 film called Django. Oh bullshit. No, well, I mean, loosely. Extremely I, okay, that's loosely. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Extraordinarily loosely. Inglorious
1: Bastards was a remake of some kind of. When I when I say yeah, when I say a, a based
0: on, I mean like he saw the title and it was a spaghetti western, and he was like, I'm gonna make something with that character in it. All that's right. essentially it. And it's actually funny because um, when they're doing the mandingo fighting scene, right, and. Uh, and uh, Django's up at the the bar. Mm-hmm. And the guy comes up to him and asks him his name and says, "You know, how do you spell that?" And all that mm-hmm. stuff. That is the actor who played Django in the original film. Get so the fuck it out is of Django here. asking Django how to spell Django.
1: Wow, <laughs> it's so fucking meta. It's awesome. Oh, You just need Boba Fett's dad in there. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it'd be like infinite recursion. It would be. Uh, what do you think of Walton Goggins in this film? Because you know he's in. Quentin Tarantino, he's joined the stable. He's uh, now—he's in his new one, The Hateful Eight. Oh, he's shit. Gotta, he's got one to start the lead roles in it.
0: Nice. Uh, I'm a big fan of Walton Goggins. I so. thought he was
1: incredible. And, and yeah. speaking of a man who's not afraid to be vile. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a guy who, like, if unless, you know, <laughs> very few people know this fact because I know how many people listen to our Justified cast, and this wasn't a lot. But Walton Goggins, to prepare for his role of um, Boyd Crowder, uh, Boyd Crowder is a white supremacist. That's how he starts off. And he is all tatted up with swastikas and Heil Hitlers and Maltese yeah. Falcons and all this other shit. Iron Crosses. And he would to, to get prepped into this, he would get all tatted up in the you know makeup chair and put on a white wife beater and just go into the town where they were filming, which is in uh, the Justified was filmed in like the county surrounding L.A. So it's not like he could he, he could he's not even sitting in some shit kicker bar in Appalachia. Yeah. He's like in some kind of thing and he's just feeling the stares and the the comments and the acid and like this is like the kind of guy uh and I thought it was like there was something very comical in the scene where he was going to Gill Django where he's like got the guy's cock and balls in his hands and he's counting down and and he's like you know Django screaming is no, I got you like, he was kind of being, like, really... Co- trying to be weirdly comforting about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. And then, when Django was, like, shooting him, like, piece by piece, his mm-hmm. hysterical screaming... Yeah. ...made yeah. me laugh really, really hard. It was over the top. So was the gore. Yeah, I love... As soon I love as he got shot giants. in the pecker, and he started just, like, this high-pitched yeah. wailing, like, it really got me uh, the giggles.
0: It's good stuff. His character is not in it much. I didn't... You know, honestly, I didn't feel like he was... Uh, a big enough part to justify the kind of like cheering that I felt I should have been giving his killing. Hmm. Like I just didn't see enough of him on screen to really hate him that much. Mm. Um, So when he got killed, it wasn't as, as visceral of a thrill as like Candy being killed yeah. or
1: Steven being killed, you know? But it was a pretty big moment. Speaking yeah. of other big moments, yeah. what'd you think about Django literally pulling a horse down to the ground?
0: I don't. Can you do that? I have no I, idea. I don't know. Like, tip it over side. Like I, I don't know tipping? why I
1: see that so impressive. But like Arnold Schwarzenegger punching out a horse <laughs> and Conan. <laughs> well, okay,
0: punching a horse is totally but different. I think
1: I think grabbing an animal that weighs like what five, six, seven hundred pounds that has four yeah. fucking legs, it's stable, and you just pull the not even pull the rider off the horse. You just pull uh-huh. the whole fucking thing down like house of cards. <laughs> was fucking awesome. It
0: is pretty awesome. So I, awesome. I imagine horses are built for going in straight lines, right? Yeah, I guess going forward, not side to side. So it's like I don't think I could pull a horse down. I bet you could. You think I I could? could, Yeah. Now, like if you, I bet it's easier than you expect.
1: (sighs) This ain't cow tipping, man. This is horse pulling. It's similar properties, though, right? Four legged beasts, kind of narrow and long. I think you could tip one over. I'm just thinking the four, like you know, a tables one of the most stable configurations because it's got four legs. Yeah, but it's wide. That's the thing. The horses can like you know can they they can put their legs out up to 45 <laughs> degrees sure all right sure i had a gumby horse once he could like you know put his legs out straight out like a spy i mean how are you gonna t- that's true you gonna tip that that's true thing down okay it's
0: just like a catamaran on the G- ocean i mean gumby science it's the phrenology of horse pushing
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> horse tipping yes what uh what else we want to say about this film a couple
0: other things i noticed there's a cameo from tom savini in this film for some reason who is that he's the dog handler the guy who unleashes the dogs and pulls the dogs back. But who is he? Who's Tom, Tom Savini? Savini? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, he's the guy who does like all the effects work for um, like Dawn of the Dead. And he's in a lot of stuff. He's in a lot of horror movies just Oh, that cameos. makes sense
1: because that's the kind of shit that Tarantino loves. Yeah. That's schlocky stuff. Yeah. So putting that in is like, you know, him casting Christopher Lee if you're a hammer horror guy. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh,
0: it was just... Strange to see him in a couple of scenes there.
1: One thing I found about Quentin Tarantino is that he likes to like really fetishize extremely genteel things, like high end coffee or the the Mm. refined habits of drug dealers. Or here is where you had a conversation. You had Christoph Waltz like pouring the like a German pouring the perfect pint of beer, Uh, even like the little foam schlacker thing. Yeah. And, you know, the fascination of the the cream that gets put on the uh, whatever strumpet that they were eating in Glorious Bastards. What is that? Like, Every every Tarantino film I can think of has, like, some kind of iconic fixture on some mundane activity that he just lavishes cinematic hmm. pornography onto. Yeah, I don't know. It might be
0: something about being... You know, a director and just wanting to kind of experiment with that stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's into. Like, is he in really into beer? Hmm. Is he into like the old time saloon type stuff? Like, what what is it about that and him? I, I couldn't tell you. Hmm. Uh, I can't tell you. Going back to that dinner scene with Leo, uh, where he gets very angry mm-hmm. and he slams his hand on the table. Did you know that this is a real? This is real blood. I wondered about that. He I smashes his that. hand down on uh, some kind of glass, mm-hmm. and the stem goes into the side of his hand, mm-hmm. and he looks down at it, and and apparently Sam Jackson, or not Sam Jackson, uh, Jamie Foxx and Quentin Tarantino both look over at him and go like, whoa, because mm-hmm. they see blood streaming from his hand. He looks down, he sees it, and he's like, hmm. Okay. And he continues on with the cut.
1: No, I saw that and he kind of like
0: there's a flourish and he's, like, with it at the Squeezing his end. hand, yeah. yeah. And then at the end when he's like picking at his fingers, he's picking glass out of his hand. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like that's crazy that he just goes on with that cut. And then the worst part of that whole scene is when he wipes it on Broomhilda's face. That's his real blood. That is real blood, man. Wow. And and she was not expecting it apparently. Uh, it's no shit. No shit. That's that's unbelievable. Like for everybody in that scene to not
1: break character. Yeah. It, most of all Kerry Washington. Well that's the thing, if like I would think that if you were the actor surrounding someone, and you see something like that going, like your main mission would be I'm not going to cause. I'm not going to be the one that causes the scene to fall apart because. Yeah. If he decides to use this in some way, then I don't. like this is how far is do you like take a, it? Like, like if he had slipped and hit his face on the table and knocked out his front teeth. I don't know. Like do you,
0: and he and he just stands. I've back heard up and of he starts actors acting.
1: getting teeth knocked out and continue. <sighs> like Viggo Mortensen famously broke his toe, uh, or yeah. his foot, kicking an um. orc helmet in the cut that made it into the movie of Lord of the Rings, Uh you know, and he gives a scream and he falls down to his knees and it plays like the scream of primal frustration, (laughs) but he actually fractured his foot from kicking that prop so hard. Ouch. So I don't know. I think that's cool. And like, I do too. Yeah. And especially since it was so spontaneous, like sometimes Mm. I feel like, you know, when we're talking about the deer hunter, like Robert De Niro getting spit in the spit in his face. Yes. Like sometimes I, we, I don't know. Uh, what I would like, you know, is like where in in the band, like you or you hear about like working with David O. Uh, you know, like I, I've seen some behind the scenes uh, with Lily Tomlin and him on this the set of I Heart Huckabee's, and he's just a fucking maniac. He's huh. fucking screaming and like he's treating these people like human garbage, these actors and actresses, and everyone's wildly uncomfortable. But uh-huh. he makes this brilliant film as a result, and like. I I'm not sure where I'm at with like that kind of stuff but when it happens organically and the actors just go with it and use it, like someone gets punched a little too yeah, hard. Yeah. Like that's something that like Woody and uh uh Matthew McConaughey were both saying about True Detective and their their fighting scene, mm-hmm. their wrestling scene. Couple of them connect. One of those punches can yeah, a couple of them connected and, and they were able to use it. And I I think mean, that's cool. But I don't know about I, do too. I don't know about directors just fucking with people with human beings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I get the actors are, are a rare breed, but damn.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Like I I can't imagine being Carrie Washington in that scene. Leonardo DiCaprio comes up to you with his bloody hand and rubs it down your
1: face. <laughs> it's I, like it's I like, feel does like he you have hepatitis. Is, yes, can we is, get this checked out please? Yeah. Does he have the hep, the herp, or the hiv? I'd like to know where exactly I'm, what kind of test I need to get. He is Leonardo DiCaprio. I've seen him. Quentin's behind the camera. Don't open your mouth. I, I saw him run a train of 20 supermodels into his apartment exactly. last night. Exactly. You know, I kind of would like to know what I'm dealing with here.
0: Uh-huh. And he has been since Titanic. So
1: <laughs> come on, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I don't know. That's all about all I have to say about it.
1: Uh, what about the music, man? It's fantastic, yeah. The soundtrack is great. I love, like, you know, he's got everything from gangster rap to mm-hmm. uh, old-time country western, and it just... Yeah, R&B. Everything, I mean, everything fits it. So, folk music? Yep. Like, didn't he have a Jim Croce? Is that a uh, that guy's
0: name? Was it or was it Johnny Cash? Did he have a Johnny Cash song in there? Uh, Felt like I heard Johnny Cash at one point, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm sticking the. Anyway, yeah. That first song that plays, the one that's Django,
1: that yeah. one, what, that's from the original movie. I thought so. Yeah. What about the King one? Because that, I wasn't sure, like, the I... King? Yeah. Like, Elvis? No, 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 there's one, that was like, like his Elvis. name is King... And it was kind of like the Django uh, thing, but I wasn't sure hmm. if it was something. God damn it! I meant to look this up because Spotify recognized it, and it didn't come up with like <laughs> Django the you know the author, the the oh. the official soundtrack kind of thing. Hmm. So I was wondering, like, is this because I knew the Django one? I'm like, I wonder if he wrote a song that sounds like it would have come from the original film just for the King, the Schultz King, and he deserves it. I mean, that mink coat he was wearing during the winter bounty hunter season was just. But, what, uh, what
0: about uh, Django's blue wardrobe? No, I I thought... <laughs> where she's like, oh, so you want to wear that stuff? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I know. Hilarious.
1: I thought it was fucking cool. And again, when they, they did the whole <laughs> hero shot of the camera, like, rushing up, uh, you know, at him at crotch level, looking up at him, and he's just standing there. And even... I the, like second Django.
0: Well, I guess third Django look, if you consider his slave look as a look. Okay. Like, there's, slave, there's the so slave guard, like the, there's the blue outfit, and there's the... The hat with, like, what almost looks like bullets around the yeah, brim. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, that's with the, the coat winter one. And yeah. The, yeah,
1: I really like that one. I liked his... His, uh, his burgundy. His, his black one. slaver look. But I, I okay. think my, my favorite is the kind of maverick look he was wearing at the end. All and right. when he blew, like, cool guys look at explosions. Yep. Uh, for evidence, see Django. <laughs> and when he, like, cocked his head back and gave his wife a smile with the, the, the long hand-rolled cigarette uh that's just a and then he mug does horse for the tricks. camera yeah it's I, I so felt like it was a little a cool. little over the top Did, of the no, horse I, trick. Was <laughs> I was eating it up. I was eating it up cuz like my god this guy can do anything. He can yeah. he can bareback ride a horse like an apache. Mm-hmm. He can make this thing do tricks like some kind of french aristocrat. He's yeah. like um a man of of he's a polymath. He's a man mm-hmm. of of considered uh, abilities. Indeed. Uh,
0: I can tell you that this thing lost Best Picture to Argo the year that it was up for Oscars.
1: Argo fuck itself. Yeah, no kidding. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Uh, I like this film a lot better. Hmm. I mean, Argo's pretty good. It's not bad, yeah.
0: Um, This film was certainly a lot more fun. I mean, (laughs) if that's that's one thing you could definitely say about it. Um, I don't know. I just like Tarantino's style. And anything that Tarantino does, I'm kind of automatically on board for. And then this was so good that uh, I felt like it was better.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at see like so uh, for that year. It was Argo, A More Beast of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Miserables, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, and Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I like, I really like Life of Pi. I thought *Le Mis was very good for what it was, but yeah, yeah I feel
0: like, like if it's going to lose to anything, Argo's
1: the right one. But I, I, I tell you I what, like it better than *Argo*. If I had the choice to sit down and watch *Argo* or sit down and watch *Django and Jane*, uh, I want to sit down and watch *Django and Jane*. They're
0: both about the same length, too, right?
1: Yeah, like they're both really long movies. Except for one is just relentlessly visually compelling, and there's like yeah. so many. Like I, I've only. Like, that transition when they go, they finally, they're done with their winter of bounty hunting, and they're going to go to Green, I think it's Greenbow or Greensburg, Mississippi. Yeah. And then the, the overhead transition of the slaves marching through the mud with the freaky, like, I don't even know if they're, that's actually historic, but the freaky, like, hooked yeah, collar no shit. Yeah, I fucking clue what that was Like, what, what the fuck must that, what is that for? Because it didn't seem to, like, restrain them any. It was just, like, some kind of elaborate fucked up weird get up like would make sleeping yeah. or slaying down impossible. Maybe that's the whole thing. But, Maybe um, that is it. I don't know. But or that, like that,
0: leading them around somehow. I'd,
1: that transition uh, where the huge word Mississippi just slides yeah. across the, that whole thing and dominates it. It's like, that shouldn't work and yet it does. <laughs>
0: I don't know why.
1: Especially, especially leading it. off of a title card transition sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how i mean i guess this is stuff that he's seen in old time movies like spaghetti westerns and he's like fucking right on man i'm gonna do that in a movie in 2013 and yeah somehow it's tapped into our cinematic shared cultural history yeah it feels
0: like he has a really good handle on the genres that he shoots for and he modernizes them enough to make them visually interesting and compelling in other ways as well yeah uh, and that's kind of why his stuff works for me and, you know, his dialogue, his dialogue, period. It's just fantastic across the board.
1: Yeah, his cinematic. No matter what character he's writing for. And his cinematic knowledge has got to be second to none. Yeah. Like, I've heard that about him. Like, he has tons of, like, private collections of, 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 of celluloid cinema, like, movies, like, real to real stuff. And he's just, like, you know, famously, he, he started writing scripts while he's working in a video store, just playing obscure yeah. shit all the time. Like, he just must. I've forgotten more movies than I've watched in my (laughs) lifetime.
0: Probably. Yeah. Uh, I I do have to say that like from the interview, is another thing that maybe is a little heavy, but this was, you know, this scene and the scene of like the plantations where you go through the fields and you see all the black slaves out there Mm. and uh, the white slave owners with shotguns on horseback and stuff. Those were kind of the scenes where he was like, before he started filming, after he wrote the script, he's questioning like, can I shoot these things like do I have it within myself to even put this stuff on film Mm. Uh, so you know he's asking himself those same questions that we're asking of him right it's not like this is a guy who's gone into this without having thought about it Um, and and that's reflected in the way that all the uh, the actors speak about him too Mm. Um, he seems like a very thoughtful guy yeah
1: so I I don't know I I really like this movie a lot well, and if he has the support of his actors, like, you know, if if Sam Just Jack- like, I wonder. You might have done more reading on this than I than I did, because um, I was reading more about the social commentary stuff, but and I didn't have time mm-hmm. to actually look at. But, but how did they come up with the character of Steven? Is that something like how much of Samuel? I wonder, like, if because they've worked together so, so frequently, I wonder yeah. if they collaborated like, can what is the most fucked up repugnant thing we can do? Yeah, it doesn't seem like that was true. But
0: Tarantino says that as he's writing, he kind of these characters come out of his pen in the voice of Sam Jackson, mm. in the voice of uh, Christopher Waltz, in in the voices of the people he's worked with time and time again.
1: He does work with a lot of distinctive people. So I guess yeah. that would probably be easier because... And so when he's
0: writing this, like, he wrote it, he sent it to Sam Jackson and said, this is a horrible character, I want you to play it. Uh, and it, so it doesn't sound like there was much collaboration, but when he read it, he was like, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: This is this is about the worst I can think of, let's do
1: it. <laughs> I've often wondered about that. Like, if you're, you know, sent a script where you're supposed to play an Anton Sugar from No Country with or uh, No Country for Old Men, and you get that script. Your Javier, what is his name? I have no Boudoir, idea. Bed Bath Beyond, sure. Uh, and head. you get that, and you're like, fuck. And you're like, I I want to play this guy. I've got to play this guy. Like if you're Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson, and you get this thing, and it's just this this terrible racist character, and you're like, yeah. fuck yeah, I've got to play this guy, and I've got to play him to the hilt. Yeah. I, I
0: don't know when so much of your heritage is wrapped up in yeah that character. Like full knowledge that there is going to be
1: theaters in a suburb packed with white people laughing at this and then cheering its death. Like, that's got to be weird.
0: Oh, I imagine so. Yeah.
1: Um, in a way that, you know, playing Anton Sugar
0: is not, right? Yeah. He's a psychopath. He's... You know, there's a lot of reasons you can disconnect from that guy and, and that's say, what I'm saying. this is like not the, reality. Like,
1: playing a truly loathsome character is already kind of a trip for me. Yeah. You know, like, playing someone intentionally, and like, like you know, um, uh, what's that Gleason kid to play Joffrey? You know, like, mm-hmm. at a young age, to pull, just to go for it, just play someone so despicable. But then you <laughs> wrap up all the the race stuff yeah. and, like, the potential audiences this is going to reach, and then it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it's... it's uh, it's kind of amazing. Indeed. I mean, like as actors, I don't think is acting isn't the hardest job in the world, but it's harder than I think some people give it credit for. It can be,
0: yeah. Like a uh, you know Jonah Hill doesn't have a particularly hard job in this film. No, he just has <laughs> Jonah to Hill has to go and... out there and make buffoons of the KKK. Yeah, not a problem, guys. I'm yeah. willing to do that job. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, Sam Jackson has a much fucking race job. trader. He's making all white people look like idiots. <laughs> <laughs> those people Jonah deserve Hill, you're on to notice. look like idiots. You're on notice. Uh, that's about it, right? I think so. I think so. we're good. I think so. I enjoyed watching this film. Uh, I was excited to see it come down the pike. I'm chagrined that it, I'm Anton chagrined that it took us this this long to get to it. We We had another rough patch of scheduling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad we finally got to, to to set it up and and watch it and knock it down. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of this is one another know, is... hype to go back to watching Glorious Bastards after this.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I've got that's, again. I'm a legit fan of this film. I've uh, I don't own a lot of stuff on on physical media. I stopped buying like ten years ago yeah. and started like getting you know just why would I when I can get it on Amazon or I can you know let the let the cloud save it. But this is one of the few uh, that I have on Blu-ray um because you know along with like the godfather you know some of the yeah, some yeah. Of your all-time favorites the, the, all-time favorites where you know you, you gotta have 1080p yeah streaming like as good as it is but eventually just, you're
0: gonna need 4k like
1: you're gonna have to keep upgrading
0: that shit man well the other
1: thing is like <laughs> i i long for the day where i can get like a nice 1080p stream that's a real 1080p stream and all the extras because that's uh, the other the reason is, I yes. buy mm-hmm. the blue, the DVDs and the Blu-rays is because, uh, although this one didn't have a commentary, I was kind of shocked, I like the behind the scenes, the making of, the interviews, the extra access you get, you know.
0: Yeah, I feel like HBO is doing some of that, which is cool yeah. with their shows, but... We need more of it.
1: And it's, yeah, I'd say some of it, but like the, you yeah. know, f- six minutes you get on each Game of Thrones episode is like. And there's sure. another great example. The Game of Thrones sets are fucking amazing are. from a lore perspective. Like, if you want, if you, if, if you don't want to be spoiled, but you want to know like a lot of the background stuff, like that stuff is lovingly animated. The house and featurettes, those are really and cool. And they've got yeah. like. Uh, like when Littlefinger talks about the fingers and where he's from and his grandfather, who is a bravosi cell sword. Uh, and, and, and they actually have Aiden Gillian doing Littlefinger and Littlefinger, like in character narrating this history for you. And it's really, <laughs> cool. really fucking cool. All
0: right, we're going right into our Game of Thrones wrap up <laughs> cast.
1: Here it is, everybody. I'm no. ready for it. <laughs> no. Yeah, we, no. We are that, hyped for that, too. That, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, but so, yeah, if you want to check out Glorious Bastards, also have that on Blu ray. Okay. If you, want it, if you, you want it, your glorious 1080p. I think it's on
0: Netflix right now. Which you want, you know, you're not going to me... get it in
1: glorious, uncompressed 1080p. Anyway, seriously, wanna... Django's available on Netflix too. Yeah, I, that's where I watched it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So like, you can watch if you got Netflix, you can watch it for free right now.
0: Yep, and check out all the cool stuff we're talking about. Uh, thanks again to Stephen for commissioning this podcast. We would never have talked about this film without you. Honestly, um, we just don't go back to older films that often. Uh, but I'm super glad we got to talk about it and I got to watch it. A reason to watch it again. There, there's never a bad time to watch it, I guess, but it just doesn't come up my radar
1: very often. Right. Uh, so thanks a lot, Steven. Yeah. Really if, appreciate if you're it. curious about how you can, uh, cause we've got a stack of like seven or eight things we got to clear out. Um, but yeah. if you'd like to add to our stack, if you'd like to commission a custom podcast, uh, you can go to bald shop, click on the big movie reel to get the details on how you can, uh, become our bosses for the day and force us to podcast something entirely against our will. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks everybody, for it's listening a form of podcast slavery, if you will. Oh God, except for we're getting paid and it's uh, nothing at all like that. And I retract this. this the, the, going pretty, just, you should pretty, probably edit
0: this out. Pretty heavy at the end here. Thanks. Thanks everybody.
1: Bye bye.